0: The next step we should take is personal to impersonal or impersonal to personal. This is another uh, set of options. You have to pick one. It has to be one or the other. And there's several different ways that you could uh, categorize the contents of the known universe that we have. Any of you remember in science class the periodic table of elements? That, that's considered about as basic as we can get, right? You, you can't divide an element past its, its elemental thing. Now, you could categorize the earth by those basic building blocks. And those are the ones we know of. There could be something that we're missing on our periodic table that's found on another planet somewhere. But we'll just work with what we've got. Of those little basic building blocks... Uh, And many of them are represented just out of the carpet and the wood fibers the pews are made out of or the clothing that you're wearing or the fillings in your teeth. But you yourselves are made out of those blocks. And that would be probably one of the next things you might want to use to organize the world. The difference between living and non-living things. Uh, There's plenty of dead things and there's plenty of living things, but there's a big difference between the two because... Um, living things can reproduce; life gives birth to more life, but dead things can't. They're they're stuck dead, or they have the miracle of life. Uh, we could come back, uh, you know, next week, leaving these pews alone and never find little baby pews uh, to <laughs> step over when we come back in here. It, it, it'll never, ever, ever, ever happen but what is it what's that spark of, of life where common elements put together in the right way with the right genetic code can recreate themselves that has got to be f- fantastic doesn't it i mean uh, just it boggles the mind and then you've got this uh, idea called you'll have to think with me here promise it'll make sense if you'll hang on. Minimal, irreducible complexity, okay? There's a certain amount of things that life has to have or life's not life anymore. And as our bodies age and when we come to the point of our lives where we will die, something is missing from that magic uh, minimum for life to exist. It's extremely difficult for any of our scientists to explain how we went from non-living things to living things by accident. Uh, Best way I know to describe it, and it's crude, I could go out in the parking lot and start pulling things off of my truck. At a certain point, I'll pull off something that means it won't crank anymore, it won't work. I've reduced it past its minimum complexity. Um... But that's a little different than saying, okay, give me that, uh, that chart of periodic elements. I need a little steel. I need a little aluminum. And again, we're already cheating on the table of elements. Just the raw goods and put them in a box and shake it until my F-150 comes out. <laughs> How long would it take? So the idea we're working with here is that either the world as we know it started with a personal... Okay, and worked its way down to the impersonal table of elemental dead things that don't relate to anybody. Or we started with the raw goods on that periodic table, and we accidentally worked ourselves not just up to living things, but intelligent living things. Because there's a big difference between the human brain and an amoeba that doesn't have one. They're both living, but one can do something with it and one can't. So the Bible teaches us in the beginning God, a personal, self-existent God created out of nothing, all that is. So we start with personality and work our way down to the building blocks of what he created the universe with. So that's a big deal. And um, lots of things start coming to bear on the idea of a personal God rather than an impersonal accident and uh, all these other things that come along as part of a relationship like sinning against this God because he's the person who created us and that's the way this is supposed to work so one more and this is another pair um, maybe uh, I guess you could still use the word philosophical here But this has to do not so much with old world thinking, but new world thinking. This would be Western and modern. And for the longest time, um, our culture's basically been uh, built out of these ideas, whether we realize it or not. But the difference is transcendent versus imminent. And this might be the biggest stretch yet, but if something is transcendent, Uh, That is to say, as we Westerners understand, it, something that's somewhere out there, but it's not really here. Um, To touch the transcendent, you would need to either use your imagination or uh, take some really crazy drugs or any of these things that that some people want to use to scrape the unknown, but it's, it's somewhere out there. That would be... Uh, transcendent. It exists or operates beyond the universe or beyond our experience. Then if something is imminent, that would mean it exists or operates within the universe or within our experience. Uh, It would not only be like the trees and the ocean and the animals and the air, but basically everything. That would be imminent. It's right here. We can touch it. We can study it. We can breathe it. We can swim in it. And it seems as though Western, modern, philosophical thought wants to chop the two of those into two pieces as if they have nothing to do with each other. Now, if that's the way people think, then inevitably their understanding of God's going to be one or the other. Either God's going to be way out there somewhere. He doesn't talk to us. We don't talk to him. We don't know his phone number. We can't get in a car and go to where he is geographically located. Or on the other side of it, that'd be transcendent. He's imminent. He's everywhere. God is the grass in your yard and the bugs that crawl through it and the dirt under your fingernails. Uh, So you go from like mystics to hippies. Uh, But seldom ever does this Western culture think that either of those are compatible. But that's exactly what the God of the Bible is described as. He's God. He's not us. He's the creator. We're the creation. But this God created this man and woman in his image and then walked with them in the cool of the evening. The imminent becomes transistent, or vice versa. Um... It's hard to kind of wrap your head around, but what we're going to find just about at every turn is philosophy has a problem with putting what appears to be two opposites together only to find out that the only person who can pull it off is the God of our Bibles. How in the world can a righteous, holy God pronounce punishment of death on sin and it's bound by his holiness to pay it but then to let sinners come to heaven who themselves haven't felt the punishment his son his son is both merciful and righteous at full energy at the same time we would say that you can't do that most, most of us that are in a functional marriage would say, uh, I can't be right and happy at the same time. Um, I don't know how he gets by with reconciling these major themes of justice and mercy at the same time. So we've looked at, all right, the earth is either created or self-existent. The Bible tells us it was created by a self-existent God. We've also looked at personal or impersonal. God is not only the personal God, but is the author of the impersonal stuff this universe is made of. We've talked about transcendent versus imminent. He's both. He's God. He's not us. But he took on human form and was made in the likeness of men. So there's one more thing Not an an option, but an overarching, baked-in, take-it-or-leave-it, non-negotiable for the price of admission, Genesis 1-1, that we're studying this morning. If God created everything from a starter kit of nothing, and therefore is the owner rightfully, the ruler rightfully, the God rightfully over all of it, then there's one little hitch in this story that most of us haven't thought our way through yet. And that would mean that this whole universe, including you and I, are not necessary. And when I say necessary, it's a technical sense. It doesn't mean we're not valued. It doesn't mean we're not wanted or needed. It couldn't be further from the truth. But because God was before this universe existed, that means that he could exist without it. That means that he wasn't dependent on it. That means that he didn't need to make the world to fill some hole in him that left him lacking. He did it because he wanted to and because he saw fit to share his power of existence with something other than himself and made it so that we exist and this would exist, and my phone exists, and all these things known as our planet. Now, that might sound jarring to you that God didn't need to make me, but that's the truth. He can be God with or without us. The part that starts to blow your mind is when you think through the parameters of where our purpose lies, and then go back through those options that we looked at. Which story would you rather be true? That you came from impersonal, like shaking a box full of stuff and popping out an F 150, however long it might take for it to accidentally happen? And if that's really the way this earth came to be, by working its way up an evolutionary scale, then who's in charge? The biggest and the strongest? Is that fair? Why am I attached to other people that I love if really this is all just a zoo and these things that mean so much in my brain are just chemical reactions that are not really real, but boy, they feel like it. Really, the only way thinking through this is to wind up in despair because there's no way to assign any meaning or purpose to a cosmic accident. No matter how hard we try. The only proper way to do it is a full-blown humanistic let's have fun while we're here because this is all there is. That's one option. Or would you rather believe a story where a loving, personal God who didn't need you decided he would make you because he wanted to? And then when things didn't go the way he had planned but according to his plan to give you choice in the matter... He comes back to earth to repair your relationship with the Father so that not only He could be your creator, but also your redeemer and live with you forever. Now, here's kind of the maybe the thing you hadn't thought about that you can take home and maybe get out and look at again. If you've lived your life in church and you understand the gospel and the cross and grace... Usually, we think of the cross as the emblem of grace. It is. But so was your being created in the first place. That's what gratuitous means grace. Something you get you didn't deserve, or something that didn't need to be. Ever get a just because gift or present? It's not your birthday. You know, it's, it's not Valentine's Day, and you know you're going to be in trouble if you don't. That usually gets about half a laugh. <laughs> Every now and then, I just have to throw some wrench in the machine, right? Um, or let's just blow the walls and the ceiling off. And I've said this time before. You, you, you might want to start saying it and say, yeah, we've heard it before. When I found out that my wife loved me, for who I was after I knew she had sufficient time to think about it and know what she's getting into. And I did not tell her she had to love me, and she loved me for who I was. I got to marry her. You, you don't get a deal like that. That's nothing but a fingerprint of the architect who made this whole place just for you and he. That's purpose. That's meaning. That makes sense. You can write songs and stories and cry and and emote. You can look at life, as we talked about yesterday, as a gift. Or you can look at life as an accident. But you will act completely different given the two options. The Bible says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It was His idea. It was on purpose. And that purpose was for you. Now, I had written down uh, in my notes here, concluding with, A gratuitous universe, as strange as it may seem. In theological parlance, we would refer to it as grace, something you don't deserve, but you receive anyway. And as we see this grace, not first in redemption, but at the cross in creation, it's through grace that the Christian is born again, but it's also through grace that the universe came into existence. So the universal idea of gift puts us in the posture of recipients. We receive existence. We receive love. We receive meaning. We receive enjoyment. And the one thing we should never do with a gift is pretend that we bought it or made it ourselves. You know, the thing about the kids playing with the box more than they play with the toy or, or something like that. It's not not that we're not prone to such things, but it's right that the giver should be thanked. So in a gratuitous universe, the fundamental orientation to our own existence should be that of gratitude. And when that's in place, everything seems to make sense. It, it might be the worst day of my life, but at least I have a purpose, a beginning and an end all the way back to the hard stop of a God who's always existed and always will. And he did it all on purpose. My daddy, who has... Uh, who's, who's been gone since the beginning of the year. Uh, I'll share uh, some, you know, previously undisclosed factoids of the Mooneyham history. When he was... Uh, well past middle age but after his father Harold Mooneyham had passed uh, and his mother uh, Marcin had passed when uh, I was just a child he learned of some information that some people had a suspicion about for, for some time and that was as to whether or not um the man who gave him his name was really his father or not. Now, this is juicy stuff. You know, people talk about, unless it's your own story, and then you try to hide it. Um, but I remember looking at a, an, an obituary, a picture of this supposed fellow who might actually be my grandfather. And it was one of those things where you just go, oh, my goodness, And and you had to take a test to figure this out. Uh, But what that piece of knowledge did was it totally knocked the foundation out of what my father thought he was for his whole life. Uh, Not so much in genetics or DNA, but in assumptions he'd lived with as truth. Um, To the point where... The hardest part, and he struggled with this for years, and it got worse as he got older, was the idea that I was an accident. And I wasn't wanted. And it messed him up. Such that he couldn't control the things in his brain and the unwanted feelings when Jesus' whole world gets rocked. And we had to help him kind of deal with this. The only thing that I could say to him at one point, which was tough for any male to ever say you know, gut-level honest stuff, is, Dad, I don't know at all what this feels like because you didn't let me. I know where I came from, and I know you wanted me, and I've always known that because you treated me that way. Again, which story do you like better That you are because the Lord wanted you on purpose? (laughs) Or you've just been an accident of random chance in a miserable story, survival of the fittest? Um, I don't know if those help come together, but if only to illustrate that we need a place to belong or we grow up messed up. It's hardwired into us. How in the world is the Lord supposed to draw you to Himself if you're happy being alone? He made us that way. It's a magnet that draws us in. Which story do we wish were true? And I think that might be in our modern culture where most people aren't growing up having been raised in a church. That might be the thing that we should spend a lot of time on here in church. Trying to make this story... Live and breathe and be such that people want it to be true. Really bad. Proving that it's true will be easy at that point. But trying for me to prove that this book can stand on its own two feet if you don't even know it or care whether or not it's true, then we've probably got a little bit of an introduction to get through before we get to that spot. So, in the beginning, God made you and everything else for a purpose and that purpose is His glory we'll start next week in Genesis (laughs) 1-1 let's bow in prayer Father in heaven we thank you so much for a verse of scripture that will take us some time to get through more time than we've got on a Sunday morning Lord I want to acknowledge that you control everything, even down to uh, what takes place in a service, how a service uh, unfolds or is interrupted. Lord, let it just remind us that uh, we don't have everything put together. Uh, We don't control everything. We're dependent on you for all of it. Lord, may we be given what it takes to begin the study of a relationship with you on your terms from your word that you revealed to us uh, that we may put it up alongside what others may think but Lord may your word speak for itself and may you woo us and raise us and grow us and love us in one of the best ways that we know how to think about it and that would be in a loving family where everyone is appreciated and loved for who they are. And Lord, may we be reminded there's only one place on the planet we find such a story. And that story starts in Genesis 1. Thank you for your word. Thank you for our time together today. And Lord, as we leave, may uh, you go with us and bring us back for your glory and honor. And we ask this in your precious name, amen.